we uh, uh, shared with our church our new vision statement. And that vision statement is one to where we live like Jesus, <clears throat> we love like Jesus, and then we lead people to Jesus. So over, these, um, over the last few weeks and even into next week, I'm going to be taking us through this triangle and this path because that's the up, and then that's the in, and then it's the out. And so it's really easy to remember, isn't it? And in fact, oftentimes uh, this is something that I've written in my Bible and I review it all the time, but I look at every day and show them what I do is I ask myself, am I going to live like Jesus today? Am I going to love like Jesus? And am I going to lead people to Jesus today? So that's something I take into every day. Well, isn't it awesome that how God times all of this and puts it into place? Because the Sunday before Valentine's Day, we have this moment to where we're going to be focusing on the end. We love like Jesus. We love like Jesus. Listen, have you ever thought about the love of God? Have you ever really pondered and considered the love of God? Do you know God loved you before you even existed? The Bible says that he knew you, he formed you in your mother's womb. This is in Jeremiah chapter 1. But God knew every little detail about you, and he knew what you were going to look like. He knew what you were going to do with your life. He knew everything about you before you even existed, and he loved you. He loved you. Now that's amazing, isn't it? For us to love like Jesus, we've got to get in on understanding what this, this love is really all about. You see, the Bible speaks about three different types of love. One of those loves, golly, we grew up with is, is the love that's more of a sensual love. And you know, and it's, it's like, oh, I, that boyfriend, girlfriend kind of love, all right, that you have out like that. And it's, it's called eros. And it's a love that is an attractional love that you have for that certain one, the one that you want to spend your life with. And that's all good. That's the way God wires. And then there's a phileo love, which is a friendship love. But the love that we're talking about here today is a love that you and I can't manufacture. It's a love that comes from God. It's called agape. And every time I meet with young couples that are looking to get married and we're doing the premarital counsel, I always take them to agape love. Because listen, a marriage and everything the family, everything has to be grounded upon this kind of love. Because, you know, the other kind of love can come and go. The eros, the friendship. How many of you are uh, in a relationship with your best friend? Okay, I am. You're in a relationship with your best friend. How many of you are looking for your best friend? I'm still looking. I told my daughter, I said, don't be looking for love in all the wrong places, okay? Y'all remember that song, don't you? Don't be doing that. I said, but I said, here's what you do, sweetie. I said, you fall in so much in love with God that a young man's going to have to be seeking God just to find you. You hear me? I said, you fall so much in love with God and your relationship with God. That's that up part, okay? That if a, if a, a man, if he is even going to find you, he's got to be seeking God. And that's what I'm praying for her. And so 
you young ladies, y'all do that, okay? Man, that's, that's what is so important. It's so important. I'm still praying uh, for that future uh, daughter in love and that future son in love. I've got a few more that I'm praying for, okay? I've got one amazing one already. But I'm still praying for some more, amen? I hope you're doing the same thing. But a few weeks, uh, last week we talked about the up part. And remember what I shared last Sunday. I said these words. I said, nothing, nothing is more important than our relationship with God. Nothing. Nothing. No one, nothing is more important than our relationship with God. And so if we have that right, then we can move into this area. Let me tell you something else about the love of God. Just overwhelm me. Uh, when we went to uh, the Johnny Hunt Men's Conference over at Faith Baptist a few weeks ago, Canaan had put the group together and several of us went. And back there in the back, they had a table of books. And they were giving away these books for anybody that wanted to pick one up. And I went across and I looked and I saw the books and then I said, wow, look at that book right there. It was a book by Dr. David Jeremiah whom I love and respect. But he had a book that was simply entitled, God Loves You. And if you haven't read it, you need to get it. It's awesome. Let me share something he said in that book. He says, this is about God's love. He says, nothing we can do, there's nothing we can do to cause God to love us. There's nothing we can do to cause God to love us. Nothing. Nothing we can do. In other words, we can't earn God's love. There's nothing we can do. But here's the, that's good, but this is even better. I love this part. He says, there's nothing we can do to prevent him from loving us. There's nothing we can do, y'all, to prevent him from loving us because he loves us just because he is God. Love originates from him because God is love. The fact that we can even show love is because of the very fact that he first loved us. He first loved us. And I like this that he said. It says, it says these words. It says, he, his is a love without motive. He is a love without motive. In other words, I'm going to love you regardless. It doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't matter if I just led somebody to Jesus or if I just sinned. Nothing can affect the fact that God loves me. Period. Now, does that make you go, that does me. That makes me go, that's amazing, the love of God. And in fact, the Bible says that his love, there's nothing that can even ever separate you. This is not a love that's going to leave you. You know, I think half the country songs out there is about either your, somebody leaving you or your dog leaving you or you're losing something. But that's usually the case, isn't it? You know, the old, uh, the old joke was if you play a country music song backwards, you'll get your house back, your dog back, and your wife back. 
That's the old joke. Is it? Oh, and your truck back, though, if you lost your truck. Good point. Good point. You've got to have priorities there, you know, with the truck. But, you know, God's love is not like that. He's not going to leave you. In fact, the Bible says there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. There's nothing. It says there's neither height nor depth nor powers nor principalities nor things to come nor things that have been. There is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Now to me, that, I don't know about you, but that fires me up. Now, I was on vacation a few years ago down in St. Augustine with a family in. I woke up, oh, it was wonderful. It was a Sunday morning. Caleb and them had it here. I woke up that Sunday morning. It was my birthday. And we were just kind of relaxing in the bed. And you know what happened? A little, little bitty three-year-old come walking in there into that room. And his name is Judah. And he said, Pappy, happy birthday. I love you. Now, I'm going to tell you something. That was the first day of vacation. And that was the first morning. And I, I'm going to tell you, I was already here on cloud nine. I'm like, this is the best vacation I've ever had. Because my grandson just walked in and wished me happy birthday and told me he loved me. And, of course, he comes up and hugs you. You know, at that early age, they, they want to hug you all the time. And then you've got to run after them later when they get about five or six and grab them to get a hug out of them. I don't know what it is. But early on, they'll hug you like crazy. But that made my day. But while I was there on that time, on that week, I was, of course, in the Word of God in, in the mornings. And here's what God's Word spoke to me in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 3. It says, and he was speaking, God was speaking to his nation of Israel, but he speaks this to you and I. He said these words, I have loved you with an everlasting love now if that don't make you go oh that's an awe moment that was a moment where I said God you mean you have loved me from before time began and you knew about me and you wanted me you decided to place me down in the middle of Georgia and give me the parents I had and the friends I had and all that, but you knew every detail, but you have loved me. And then, God, you gave me something that I did not deserve. You gave me a woman that is amazing and has loved me. And then you've given me children. Every child is a gift from God. You have loved me. You have poured out that love. But he says, Mike, I have loved you <laughs> with an everlasting love. So it has no beginning, and it has no end. Now, this is a word we need to hear as a church. Because we, when we put up here this thing that says, I love my church, we need to understand what kind of love are we talking about. This is God's agape, unconditional love. Love. Now, some of you might have grown up in a home to where you felt like you were only loved when you did right. And that's called performance-based love. 
con and that's conditional. God, nothing can affect the God's love for you and I. Listen, even when you had your children and they disobey you or do something wrong, or if you're a child and you disobey your parents, do you know what part of love is? Is correcting you, is disciplining you. Because whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. Why not to punish you for your past, but to correct you for your future? That's the way the love of God is. It's not a punishment. It's like I am making you into the image of who my son is. And it's correcting us for the future. Now, how many of you heard that kind of language when you were growing up? Son, this spanking's going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. You ever heard that one? And I'm sitting there going, yeah, right. I don't believe that. And I didn't believe it until I became a daddy. Hmm. And that changed things. And I, and I still have to spank them. And you know, uh, what goes around comes around, doesn't it? <laughs> Someone said at one time, you just pay in for your raising is all you do. You just pay in for your raising. Y'all are smiling because y'all have heard this before and y'all have lived this before. But listen, if you don't have somebody that's willing to correct you and correct you and love you and point you in the right direction, I don't know the method they may have used, but they had to get your attention. But if you hadn't had one to do that, then you really hadn't had someone to love you. Because whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. And I know, man, I've, I've said it before. It's one thing to have my wife mad at me. It's a whole other thing to have God upset at me. And I'd much rather have her upset at me than I had the Lord. Because the Lord, she, she says this, I'm going to just turn you over to the Lord. And I got, oh, 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 you done played that card on me. You done played that card on me, and I'm in trouble now. But one of the greatest things you can have is a spouse that prays for you and loves you and doesn't try to change you but lets God deal with you. That's a great, great thing to have. But this is love, and this is the love of God. So can you say that with me? I have loved you. I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Now there may be somebody in this room that might say, God could never love me because. And then you want to give a reason or something that you've done. Don't believe that lie. Don't believe that lie. Because there is no fill in the blank after because. Because God has loved you with an everlasting love. The fact that if you have received that love or not, it's dependent upon you. But there's nothing you can do to, to earn it, and there's nothing you can do to prevent it. He has loved you. So we're moving into this direction. We're doing it. And so we're coming into the love of Jesus. Not only are we to live like Jesus, 
we are to love like Jesus. So the only way you and I can accomplish that is to possess the love of God, his agape love, in order to love like Jesus. Now let me ask you a question. How much did Jesus love his church, his bride? How much? How much did he love us? He loved us a whole lot. In fact, I'll give you a verse for it. The verse is in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. It says this, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and he gave himself up for her. So that's a challenge to men. Men, we are to love our wives even as Christ loved the church. And how much did he love? He gave himself up for her. In other words, he's got the kind of love that's willing to lay down his life. That's demonstrating. Demonstrating his love. You know, I've learned and I'm, I'm reading a book to help me with this, but it's one thing just to say I love you. And that's good to say I love you, but it's, it's even better to say I love you and then to demonstrate that I love you. And that's exactly what God did. He said, I'm going to love you so much that the Bible says God loved us and he demonstrated his love for us that even while we were sinners, Christ died for us. So even when we were unlovely, he loved us and he died for us. But he's telling in this verse, he's telling, hey men, step it up, love your wives just like Christ loved the church and gave himself up for it. You know, I've heard many men say this, you know, or I've heard men go up to some of the younger men and say, how long have you been married? Oh, yeah, we've been married about a year or two. And they go, oh, yeah, the honeymoon is still going. The honeymoon is still going. You ever heard anybody say that? Oh, yeah, man. The honeymoon was wonderful, and the honeymoon is still going. And then I hear some of them say, well, honeymoon's ended. The honeymoon is over. Well, listen, here's good news, church. With God, the honeymoon never ends. Are you with me? He loves us so much that it never ends. That love relationship is special. In order to love like Jesus... That doesn't mean I get up to today and I go, you know what? I just don't feel like loving. The love of God never ends. It doesn't stop. It, it's like the most beautiful thing. It's the way love should be. And his, his kind of love is the one that is patient, is kind, is gentle. You know, it doesn't take into account a wrong suffering. You know, it doesn't rejoice in that which is evil. It rejoices in the truth. It bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. But most of all, it endures all things. That's the love of God. Some of you might have heard that in a wedding before, okay? But it's true. When God says, I love you, and, Jesus, and to love like Jesus, and to be in a relationship with him, he's saying, I love you so much that I want to pursue you for the rest of your life and all of eternity. Now, last week we covered in the up part, living like Jesus. 
And let me quickly tell you what Jesus did every day that leads into my next point. Every day, Jesus got up early and he spent time with the Father. He talked to him and he listened to him and he got his assignment for the day. And then he said, I don't do nothing on my own initiative. Whatever the Father tells me to do, I do it. So that's, that was the pattern that he did. So the next thing is living when we're in the end part. What do we are to do each day? We are to come together. And today in a church, we come together corporately. But many of you are going to come together this afternoon for the first small group meeting of this, of this time. And you're going to discuss some of this. And we're going to see in this group, we're going to get to know one another. And we're going to get to live life together. And we're going to be able to serve one another. We're going to be able to help one another. And we're going to be able to show love for one another. And see, this is... It's in the groups where we learn to imitate what Jesus did. Because, see, Jesus went up by himself in the, the relationship with the Father, but then he came back to his disciples, to his circle, to his group of, to his people. And that's what you're going to be doing today, many of you, with your people. And you learn, and you grow, and you do all of these things. And this is where imitation begins to take place. As we begin to be around people that are walking, or maybe a little bit further down the journey, and you learn from them. And then we share the Word of God, and we talk about the things of God. And we encourage one another. Because it's important, it's one thing to be in the rows, but it's important to be in the circles. But let me give you uh, something you probably didn't know. This past a few weeks, I've been able to see some brand new babies. Do you know within 45 minutes of the birth of a child, do you know what that child does? Is able to do within the first 45 minutes of birth is to imitate. Now, they might not be able to see a whole lot. In fact, things are still developing. They see in black and white at the beginning. But did you know that within 45 minutes, a child can begin to imitate? So we, you know, get down close to them and smile. Isn't it crazy? We get down in their face and we go, goo goo ga ga goo 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 ga. We do that, don't we? Why do we? We're talking a language that I don't even know if they understand. But that's what we do. We do that baby talk with them, don't we? And it's funny that we do that, but it's, it's important that we, if you smile, babies within 45 minutes can start imitating. Now, I know what some of y'all are thinking, yeah, you let them get on up a little bit older and they sure do start imitating. And you look over there and you go, mm-hmm, he's acting just like your side of the family. Imitating y'all got you down to a T. It's in the genes right there. It's in your genes. Lord of mercy, we in trouble. I know, I've been there and done that. <laughs> but imitation, imitation is what the disciples saw that they needed from the greatest one to imitate, and that's Jesus. 
So if we're to live like Jesus, what we have to do is to love like Jesus. And boy, when we imitate him, in fact, Paul said it this way. He said to Timothy and to all of the others that were following him, he said, be imitators of me just as I am also of who? Who did he say? Jesus. He said, be imitators of me just as I am also of Christ Jesus. And so when Jesus came down off that mountain and he spent time with those disciples and they began to see the things he did, he told them, hey, the things I'm doing, you're going to do them and you're going to do even greater things. So the imitation process was going to be happening. And imitation is best learned in these groups, in those settings. You know, um, we all need a Paul in our life, and we all need a Timothy in our life. I've heard somebody told me that one time ago. Why do we need a Paul in our life? We need somebody that's further down the road than we are so that we can look up to and imitate. But we also need a Timothy in our life so that they can look up to us and imitate what we're doing. And so that's the process of discipleship. And Jesus modeled that. In fact, they saw Jesus in his pattern that they finally said, Lord, would you teach us how to pray? Because we watched you. Would you teach us how to pray? And Jesus did. He gave them the prayer to model. But that's where that imitation, and they followed him, and they, they did the very things that he did. And so that's important for you and I to know. If we are to love like Jesus, we have to have his love, his agape love. Listen, I want to give you a verse that's found in John 15, verse 9. And it says this, As the Father loved me, this is Jesus speaking, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. Jesus is telling his disciples in this moment, as the Father has loved me, I am also loving you. Abide in that. That's the pattern. The Father and I, we have a love relationship. And because of that, I'm going to have that same type of love toward you. Now that is powerful. That's a verse to mark in your Bible. <laughs> Whoo, that's good. And then he goes on, that's in John 15. He goes on over in John 17, and he has a very personal, this is called Jesus' priestly prayer, and he has a very personal prayer that he prays to the Father on behalf of, of us. And listen to what he says in this prayer. In John 17, Pick up with me in verse 11. Jesus says these words. I am no longer in the world, and yet they themselves are in the world. And he's speaking to his father. He says, I come to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name, the name which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. So Jesus was praying for his disciples that they might be one. 
that they would love one another, that they would have that oneness, the unity that is known. But here's what I love, that Jesus didn't just leave it with the 12. He goes on down in this same prayer, and pick up with me in verses 20 and 21. And I love this. He says, I do not ask on behalf of these alone. <laughs> Woo, this is where it gets interesting. I'm not just asking for the ones I've been in, in, my, in my small group. These are the ones I've been pouring my life into. They're imitating me. I'm not just asking for them alone. But for those also who believe in me through their word. So in other words, these 12 are going to go out and they're going to share the love of God and there's going to be others who are going to believe now. Check this out. He prays that, that they may all be one. Now did you get it? Did you infer from those verses that he's talking about you and me? That's what he's doing. He's saying not only that I'm praying that, that we are one, but that Everyone who hears the words of these who believes that they all might be, may be one in our love for one another. Now that's good stuff right there, church. That's why I love my church. That is why I love my church. And that's why we continue in this cycle. We live like Jesus and we love like Jesus and then we'll be leading people to Jesus. Listen, listen. Aren't you so glad that Jesus had a small group? Because look what happened with those 12. Yeah, I know one of them went bad. Yeah, I know. Even Jesus had one that went bad on him. But listen, you don't focus on the one that went bad, do you? Aren't you glad those 11 did their job? Aren't you glad those 11 went out? And did what God instructed them to do. Because listen. In 1973. At Harmony Baptist Church. On a Tuesday night. In a revival meeting. The Holy Spirit of God. Spoke within my spirit. And I knew I needed Jesus. To be my Lord and Savior. And I surrendered to him. That day. And I got to experience love like I've never known before. He has loved me with an everlasting love. Let's pray.